0: Is running round the Kairos anymore. But that's been a
1: football club here since 1864. Trying to do the town or city proud.
2: Laying under the massive floodlights of the racecourse ground.
3: Good afternoon, we're back again following a rather sobering Tuesday night in a very wet Chesterfield with some very delayed coach buses and journeys to and from Chesterfield. I think uh, we won't be rushing to go back there. So uh, yeah, just thought uh, we had a couple of little updates to do before uh, before the weekend, so we'll start the podcast with a uh, bit of a debrief between myself, Alex and Richie we chew over the fat of uh, the Chesterfield game and we uh, do a little preview ourselves of the the Maidstone game and then uh, afterwards I'll introduce Joseph who came on to speak to me from Maidstone, does uh, commentary for them and uh, we'll talk, uh, he did a little preview where we talked about uh, Maidstone's sort of uh, key players and Wrexham's key players to be fair and yeah, it was nice to have a chat with him. So I'll come back and introduce him after, but we'll uh, we'll start off with our uh, our chat, a little roundtable therapy session following Chesterfield. Right. So, who went to Chesterfield? I went. I went to Chesterfield. I had the radio waves back
1: in Wrexham. Oh, who did you listen to out of interest? Radio Wales or was it Mark Griffiths? I started off with Mark, but then Radio Wales were that loud. I had two commentaries and there was a difference, so I had to flick back to BBC in the end. Right.
3: I bet the Radio Wales get a lot of criticism because of the people they have on it and not particularly... I don't know whether it's because they're anti Wrexham or or what they have a lot of Kevin Ratcliffe don't they and Andy Legg, and Yeah. they never get a good sort of Wrexham fans never like them so I always no. listen to Mark Griffiths if I can because uh, I think actually even though he's a Rex even though he does it for Wrexham I think he is quite fair yeah so um, what did it sound like on the radio
1: Richie what were the what were they you know what were they sort of saying uh, first 10 they said settled quite well uh, working their way into the game. Both okay. sides. It said it was really fast-paced as well. Yeah, um, frantic, yeah. And then the next thing we hear is Oli Palmer's in the left-back position. He's just been turned. King's turned inside and he's just put the ball straight in the net. Um, And then it sort of said he just sort of... Two players, he walked past. I think he was meaning McFazadeen. I think wasn't tracking back and that's why Palmer had to run back. Um and then for the next ten minutes, fifteen minutes after that, it was a bit frantic, really. Um, Asante hit in the post, and it just seemed that there was just no mention of where of you didn't hear James Jones, you didn't hear Mullen. you know, it was just sort of all the defenders really and the goalie.
3: Okay, so I, I would agree with that mainly. I'm not even sure we were that good in the first ten minutes. Uh, personally, I was on row six in the middle behind the goal and we had the worst view because the crossbar was right in the way so we were having to duck up and down and look <laughs> over it it was a right pain in the neck so like when a santy at the post we couldn't tell that really um but yeah it just i mean from I, I from the off it just felt like they were they were at it and they looked well drilled we never really troubled them they looked like they had a point to prove it looked a bit like the start last year um, to be honest because I don't know if you uh, uh, we talked about it I think the other day but last year they battered us for 40 minutes didn't they and we, we got the same again the difference was that they got the goal this time or, or two as it turned out whereas last year they didn't get the goal we managed to keep them they did it the post but we managed to keep them out and then we got to half time and obviously managed to sort of uh, change the momentum but you, we were never in that we were never in that game really were we we didn't create much at all <laughs>
0: You know what? I agree with what um, Richie said in regards to the radio. I thought first 10 minutes we actually looked half decent and Bryce Susanna at, white, at, at right wing back was uh He was playing well. I think he beat his man a couple of times. He dribbled into the box and um, end product wasn't quite there, but it, was, uh, it looked like we were going for the jugular in the first 10 minutes, but as soon as that 10-minute spell ended, it was, I don't want to use a cliche, but it was men against boys. Yeah. It just yes. looked like Chesterfield um, wanted it more. And it reminds me of the Grimsby game away last season when Grimsby were, I think, top of the league at that point. And they had a packed crowd that night. I know Chesterfield wasn't quite a sellout, but you could tell Grimsby were well-drilled. They were fighting for every ball. They'd obviously been set up well by the manager. Dangerous going forward, solid at the back. And that's exactly what Chesterfield were. And I think we just have to put our hands up and say they were better than us on the night. Apart from those first 10 minutes, they made us look second best throughout the night. And again, going back to what Richie says for the first goal, how we end up with Olly Palmer in the left, wing-back position, pretty much inside his own area yeah. having to mark up, try and put a tackle in on the guy who scored he played very well actually, I think it was King who got the first goal, he's, he's excellent a, King, Is yeah, right back, he's, he's a, really good he was a nuisance all night and it was far, I know we're 100 yards away but it looked far far too easy for him to dribble into the box and plant the ball into the bottom corner, I may have kissed the post on the way in, I don't know but yeah, that seemed to shake us a little bit. I don't know what you think.
3: Yeah, I think, and it was—it was just too easy all night in the end, wasn't it? There was no—there was no pressure from that midfield, um, which you know uh, I have put a point down for us to talk about Luke Young after, um, but that midfield was everything that we feared it would be—not uh, competitive. Um, because it just isn't made up of the right type of play. It's missing that one type of player, I think. That real, uh, you know, that real general in the middle of the park that would have broken up play nastily and you know put some nice hard tackles in. And it was just too easy for them. There was, you know, it it, it, I, it could it felt like it could have been more. It felt like every time they were going to attack, we were going to concede.
0: Well, they almost did, double the lead, Didn't they?
3: I think scooped it over, didn't he? I think mean, they hit the post about five... Oh, yeah, but they had the another one goal. where he scooped it over. Well, it felt like it was about six yards out, but I don't know how
0: you couldn't tell because we were the other end. You couldn't tell. Yeah, they had a couple of golden opportunities. I think it the Sante, more or less the same as the first goal. He came in from the left, cut inside, and then the ball ricocheted off the inside of the post. I thought, I think most of the away end thought it was 2-0 at that point. And then... Obviously, in the next big talking point is the mistake from the goalkeeper.
3: <laughs> oh, what do you think, Richie? Uh, I don't know what your thoughts were before yesterday. So, give us, tell us what you were thinking about him before yesterday. And
1: then I think before yesterday, I think, I think Lee Butler leaving was a big, uh, not a mistake, obviously, because the wanted wants to retire. You know, he's entitled to retire. But I think him going, I think he did just a bit more than just look after the keepers. He was a vocal lad. And as most goalie coaches are, you know, they're going around the whole squad, aren't they? And they're, they're a bit of the joker and they keep yeah. everyone going together and that, whatever. Um, so Aiden Davison's come in. He's got different ideas, completely probably as well. Obviously, he knows Park and, uh, and his team quite well. But was it his choice to, for him, to for Howard to come in? You know, I, and you look at experiencing that, but then you go, well, what's Howard won? You know, Carlisle, all right, you know, we have a joke in that, we're out with their fans and that, whatever. All right, Hayden come from there and he's been brilliant, probably his best signing really after, after Mullin. But he hasn't really set the world alight, has he? You know, they were involved in a bit of a relegation battle, which that's how the season materialises sometimes. But I just think he knew Leighton, you know, Leighton's had a couple of setbacks I've heard behind the scenes from his injury. You know, it was worse than first thought. We've got the best medical team we've ever had in our history. And so obviously, you know, they're doing their first class job. But I just think when Dibble got injured, he, he could have gone somewhere, couldn't need to get somebody in on loan from a, maybe a higher league just to work with Howard. Because this lad who's come on, nobody knows anything about him, does he? Who's the other lad on the bench?
3: Yeah, so Rory when Rory Watson signed, obviously it was all very short-term, wasn't it? The terminology that mm-hmm. they used was bit short-term, Parky said, we'll just get somebody from the weekend and then we'll kind of review it next week. Um and at that time, I was having a look round, and uh, was it South End? I think there was his previous club, and those fans were like quite happy for him to go. They did, they, you know, they mm. said it was time for him to go. You know, so they weren't going to miss him. So it didn't sound to me like he was the answer. But yet we're still here, and he still is the answer, isn't he? You know, we've yeah. not brought anybody else in, and it does feel like you've got to bring somebody in potentially to uh, keep Howard on his toes whether it's a loan or you buy somebody, whatever, whatever you've got to do, but you've got to bring somebody in
0: so that he doesn't, doesn't sort of rest on his laurels. Yeah, um, I think we've had this conversation in the spaces last week and the podcast last week. Um, so it's obviously an issue, isn't it, that's on our minds. And, yeah, just going back to that second goal, if you've had a dodgy first match where you, you're at fault for the goal, If you've had a nervous second match as well where you've fluffed at a couple of crosses, if that ball gets played to you when it's pretty much on the byline and you're under pressure from the Chesterfield forwards, put your foot through it. Put it into Rose Ed's. Kick it up to the halfway line. Why on a, a wet Tuesday night in front of a packed crowd under the lights, huge game, why are you playing the first time pass back to Toza? I know it was... Not the best of passes by Toza to Howard, but you just got kind of to put your foot through it. And then obviously it's a good finish by their player outside of the box to sort of curl it inside the near post. But I think at 2-0, the way it was going, that pretty much killed it for me.
3: Yeah, you, the thing I would say is you would expect somebody with that experience to know that and do what you said. Just kick it out, get back in yeah. your goal and defend if it was a 19 year old goalkeeper on his debut or something, you'd say, Well, you know, you'd expect what he did, wouldn't you? Is that do you think that's a fair comment?
0: Yeah, this is a 35 a year old goalkeeper who's well, I've not checked his Wikipedia page, but he must have 15 years plus professional experience. Yeah, um, I know Richie asked what he won before, but I think he won player of the season at, at Carlisle last season, so. He's obviously got something about him. Um, I get the impression he's trying too hard. Like He probably knows he's maybe not had the most solid of starts to life at the race course and he's perhaps got something to prove but in that situation, go back to basics. Don't put yourself in a position where you can go 2-0 down thanks to a mistake and it was a big mistake as well. I think some people in the away end were blaming Toza but I don't think you can attribute any blame to Toza there. It was a dodgy back pass at best, or at worst, rather. Um, But yeah, I don't want to slate our players, but 100% Howard's at fault for that second goal. And uh, you might not know this, Richie, but
3: he he knows that because when he came out for the second half, he walked over to the fans a a bit slowly to start with, and I don't know if you saw him, Alex. He he tapped his chest to say it was. Uh, he put it, did he put his hand up, tapped his chest as if to say it was my that's my fault, and put, sort of put his hand up then, didn't
0: he? Oh, I didn't see that because I was in the concourse on the on well just before the second half. I they came see... out early, yeah. They came out quite uh, early, didn't we? Yeah.
3: You know, it's typical as if like Parkies Rollockham get out, you go now. So they were out early, our lads. So yeah, he walked walked over, uh, I think he tapped, pretty sure he tapped his chest, as if to say it was my fault, and sort of put his hand up um, at everybody. So he
0: knows. Yeah, Yeah, he knew. I also saw at the end of the match, so he was in front of the away fans at the end of the second half, which was a bit strange, because usually Rexha would be shooting towards our end in the second half. But as soon as the match finished, as soon as that whistle went, he turned round and put his hand up to the away fans as if to say, sorry, that was right. me for the second goal. Yeah. So, like you say, a couple of he, knows then, yeah. he knows it. Yeah. The thing
1: we got, the thing we got to be careful now with him is, though, obviously, his confidence isn't going to be... He looks, to me, he's a bit of a cavalier, confident goalkeeper. So, he's took a couple of hits now, hasn't he? You know, he's took one in each game, literally. Um, so, now, but his confidence is going to be low, but we haven't actually got anyone to replace him. As in, such as we might have this lad, Rory, but, you know, he hasn't been with us long. He doesn't know the defenders very well, does he? Howard obviously only knows him a little bit longer, but he doesn't sort of know these lads. He's just come in. So he's thinking now, do you know what I mean? Not that if he makes another mistake, oh, I'm going to be at the team, he might be thinking, do you know what? He could need a breather in a couple of games if his form continues, but we haven't actually got anyone to go in there to replace him.
3: So here's a question then. Uh, So I agree um, I will just say that that I the I was with one of my friends and he said he looks a bag of nerves every time the ball comes in the box and it was, did feel like that didn't it We were like oh my god what's going to happen now, um,
1: but if Dibble was fit, uh, do you think he'd be in this weekend? If it wasn't Parky, yes. I just don't think Parky. Um, I have a theory about Parky that any player who's there who wasn't signed by him, he doesn't give him the fair crack of the whip. So, I okay. don't think he would i don't think he'd put him in. I think he'd stick with howard
3: okay, yeah, and I think he would i i I, I don't know what he, i don't know I don't know what I, it just came to me then I just thought I wonder if you know like you were saying, if there was somebody who knew the players, knew the defenders who was experienced, I just wondered if he if he would have just gone, have a week out, get your head together, let's get through this game which we should win at the weekend, fingers crossed. Um, and then, we, you know, we, we start again. Alex is laughing. What do you think, Alex?
0: Um, I just laughed when he said, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what? parky has got a decision to make. I know it's only three games into the season, but I genuinely think now he'll be thinking what he's going to do in regards to the goalkeeping situation for Saturday. Um, obviously, it was him who signed Howard. So if he was to drop Howard now, that's Parky's reputation on the line as well because he'd be yeah. holding his hands up and saying, "The guy I have bought, he's not been up to it." But I don't think he will do that. I think dropping a goalkeeper is a huge, huge call. It's not like rotating your left back, so your centre mids. Um, dropping a goalkeeper is it hits differently, and. Similar to the, the parky out sort of argument, I don't think you can drop a goalkeeper or second manager um after three matches. Um in defense of Howard, I thought after that mistake, he didn't do too bad. Pulled off um a few decent saves, especially second half, um in, in difficult conditions as well. Um and I don't want to put all the blame on him for that loss last night i think every single outfield player perhaps aside from Bryce Hosanna, was was below average on tuesday night i have got some uh, i've got some player ratings which we will come on
3: to in a minute uh, some average player ratings uh, <laughs> but what do you think richie would you what uh, do you think what do you think he's going to do at the weekend i think in?
1: he'll keep him he will keep him in goal he will definitely um what I'd like is, is, now that Rob's come over today, I'd love him to say, right, here's 250 grand, go and get Ryan Boot from Soliol, to be honest. But, you know, he should have done that in the summer, really. That was my, that's my big bugbear, really. We should have gone big with the goalkeeper in the summer. I, I think agree. uh Not just and that's not to knock Leighton, but just a bit of competition for him. Um, I and just I like think... It
3: sorry, Rich. Well, I was going to, I was going to agree with something you said before. So there's these, these sort of murmurings about is, is in, Layton's injuries not healing perhaps as well um, as they'd have, that have hoped. Um, I won't go into too much to what somebody told me, but I think Howard knows he's comfortably number one at the moment, which is why I would go and either loan or get somebody that is going to genuinely compete with him. Cause I'm not sure, that Rory Watson is that man, just going off what, to be fair, that's just going off what fans of his previous club have said. But surely, you know, you'd think they'd have made a bit more of an effort to keep him and they haven't. They've been happy to part ways with him. So I think w- whether it's boot or whether we go and loan somebody from a championship club or whatever, but I think you have to bring somebody in that's potentially a number one, not somebody that Howard is, is we're not saying to Mark Howard, he's coming in as number two. So, uh, you know, we, we you know, you just get on with it. Just needs a little bit of fire up him and a little bit of competition to keep him on his toes, I think.
0: Mm, I'm not sure. I think he's, he's 35 years old. I don't think he needs to be kept on his toes. He's an experienced player. He should know that he needs to be on it every day in training, at every moment on a Saturday or a Tuesday. I'm sticking I'm not disc- with what i said in the spaces and on a previous podcast, and I'm hope, I hope I'm right in the fact that I think um, he just hasn't settled in yet. And he knows we're a big team. We get big crowds and maybe he's just trying too hard. He's not quite relaxed yet. Um, And I'll stand by what I say. I do think he'll come good. I just think he's had a shaky start and he's probably found it hard to shrug that off. But once he keeps his first clean sheet of the season, which hopefully will be on Saturday... Um, calms his nerves a little bit, and then hopefully, the goalkeeper debate won't be uh, a topic of discussion on the next few podcasts we do because it's been on everyone so far. And to be fair, the other last time we spoke, we said he just needs a clean
3: game, didn't? If you if you remember, yeah. we said he just needs a clean game where he catches everything, kicks everything nicely, and just gets away with it. And like I don't know, I, I don't know what time they scored that second goal, but it was like half an hour or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh. Well, you know.
0: Uh, well, he that... needs a game like the Chesterfield keeper had because the discussion going into it was both goalkeepers have been given their respective fans the nerves. Basically, they've they've been shaky in the first two matches. But well, that goalkeeper's better... only been it was five days he's been there. There's compared I mean, to, to him, I think he was solid. I don't think he put a foot wrong, wrong. The Chesterfield goalkeeper,
3: no.
0: To be fair, we didn't really test him. I don't well, think that I is the... Yeah, there is the... <laughs> but
3: everything, you know, everything was... It was clean, wasn't it? Everything, you know, his kicking was yeah. good. His handling was good when he did have to sort of pick up crosses and what have you. It was... Yeah, uh, he,
0: just, it was... he just did the basics right. And that's all we can ask of Howard on Saturday.
1: Maybe he just, uh, like you say, I think the clean sheet will be a big bonus for him. Maybe he just needs a worldy save or a point-blank save or touch wood, even a penalty save or something and then he hears the fans behind him, and he thinks, "Yeah, do you know what? I've got they're with me. They're they're for me. You know, they want me to do well because it is confidence, isn't it? A lot, of, especially players at this this level, is confidence."
3: Yeah, and to be fair, when he came out second half, no, there wasn't any abuse. Uh, I, I was right near the front. I couldn't hear that. I can recall I couldn't hear any abuse at him or anything. It was uh, it was generally encouragement. Um, but that was helped by the fact that he did acknowledge it. I think perhaps if yeah. he hadn't acknowledged it maybe it might have been a bit different but uh, we didn't you got the usual sort of raw to to sort of cheer the team on at the start of the second half interesting choice for him on Saturday um so yeah let's have a look at these these ratings then so these average ratings uh, that that, uh, that people did uh, let's see what we see what we feel um, uh, in comparison to to what people have put so Mark Howard averaged a 3.5.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to be going five minimum, haven't you? At least well
3: you know you can't argue with the masses as they say, can you? Um <laughs> Bryce Hazana, who was the our best rated player, was six point one. I for me he was the best player. He looked although what you were saying is right, his quality stroke, our movement in the box wasn't great. He was getting there, he was lively, he was taking on the full back, he looked you know, I'd forgotten how good he was.
0: Uh, to be honest, yeah. Like I say, first ten minutes he was he was on fire. Electric. I think he, he, he was it. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. He was electric. Um, and we don't often see it with Wrexham players. I can't remember the last time we had a player who got on the ball and, and dribbled past players or tried to dribble past players. So to breath a fresh air to to see him do that. Um, just a shame it wasn't quite that end product when he crossed the ball. But Ford's
3: got some competition on his hands, I think. Now he's getting back fit.
0: I would say he's displaced Ford already on that I, performance.
3: Yeah, I, I I would agree at the moment off that performance. Uh, so Callum McFadden got a four uh, and was obviously substituted
0: off. I think a um, four being kind, to be
1: honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I would go for that as well from the commentary.
3: I'll be interested to see the highlights so we can actually see better what how the goals were caused. But that was the thing that people behind me were saying was like, "How is Ollie Palmer at left back right now? Where's McFadden?" So it'll be interesting to see how that sort of that developed because uh, I say we perhaps couldn't see it that well. Uh, Tozer was a four point one. He's uh, he's just been really average so far, hasn't he? he? Doesn't look like he doesn't look sharp at all. Uh, even Hayden, I don't know. Last night he was a four point seven. He he wasn't
0: himself, was he? Mm-hmm. He was a bit erratic at times, was Hayden. Gave the ball away. Moose passes, yep. But then when he does give the ball away, he just seems to win it back with those long outstretched legs. So, yeah, not his best game. Same with Toza; They were quite shaky. I thought it'd be interesting to see what Max Clayworth scored, but I think Max Clayworth was the the pick of the three centre-backs for me.
3: Max Clayworth, 5.5.
0: Yeah, there you go.
3: Again, again, a really good performance. Uh, Midfield, uh, so James Jones got a 4.7 average. Tom O'Connor, 4.3. And Elliot
0: Lee, 4.8. Yeah, I'd probably go along with that. I think slightly harsh on Tom O'Connor. I think first, or before the goal, he he was getting stuck in. He made some good tackles, interceptions knocked the ball around quite well. Um Elliot Lee, four point whatever it was, might be a little bit harsh. I thought he looked lively in the first half. Um James Jones, bit anonymous for me. So I can go along with that four point three or whatever it was. Remember these aren't mine. These are average ratings.
3: Yeah, that so this isn't me. Oh,
1: just just on that, on the radio, um from what obviously what I could what, what they were saying is that they were playing through our midfield. Was it a case of that our lads, one, they wouldn't roll their sleeves up and get stuck in the midfield? Or was it the fact that they just wanted too many touches?
0: Oh, no. You it know was... what? I, I said it a few times and fans around me said it a few times as well. We shirked a few tackles. Yeah, we didn't compete all at all. We were a few tackles,
3: yeah. We were, the, 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 I think glaring the glaringly obvious omission of a player type that we're missing at the moment is somebody in the middle of that park who can tackle. Just yeah. you know, an out and out tackler almost. Uh, I think we probably had that conversation last week, Alex. Uh, you know, um, a J. Harris, a Dean Keats, uh, a, a Sam Wedgbury, latterly, just somebody who just tackles and then passes the ball to yeah. Young Davis Lee, whoever else is playing who's creative. But that's his job is just to be a, a nasty because they were all, they were all their midfield were doing that and we were you know not competing were we? We didn't compete.
0: Yeah. Like I said at the start, it, it was men against boys for most of the game, apart from the last 10 minutes. And like this, in the midfield is where you win and lose matches. And that's where Chesterfield won it. They were first to first balls, second balls, braver in the tackle. They worked harder, more adventurous going forward. Um, and it's a warning sign, really. Okay. Uh, when we do play the better teams like Chesterfield, is our midfield... Going to be up to it. Um, I know we we'll get on. We're going to get on to Luke Young later, but I think even with Luke Young in there, that would have gave us a little bit more of a presence. So let's finish off the ratings,
3: and then we'll come back to Luke okay. Young, and we'll do that. Are we, are we happy with that? So Paul yeah. Mullin was five point seven. Um, I, you know, he didn't have any service. Neither forward had any service. It's hard to criticise them, uh, and they both always work, don't they? Um and at one point uh Mullin was in I think our left back position defending. Um he won a he won a ta- he won a I think he won a tackle and then won a free kick. Um and you know fans obviously love that, don't they? But you're just like we don't need Mullin there. We need him thirty <laughs> yards up the pitch, somebody give him the ball. Um, Shame he
1: wasn't there for the first goal then. (laughs) Well,
3: but it's hard. You can't, you know, it's hard to, it'll be interesting to see the replay, but you know, you can't blame Palmer. Um, No, I don't think at least he put the effort in and tried. You can live with that. Can't you? If somebody's trying. Um, Yeah. So, um, Mendy came on, got a Uh, 4.9. He was, you know, he, he, He was lively. He's just getting into it. It's hard hard to be critical of a new player who's been at the club two weeks or whatever it is, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he comes with good credentials. You know, we've seen him live in action. I've seen him a few times. He's he's a good player. He's good on the ball. He shows good pace. But again, you don't know what restrictions he's been given.
3: Yeah. Is he
1: allowed to go and express himself as he has been done at other teams?
3: I would expect so, because that's the type of player he is, isn't he? So I'd be amazed Mm. if Parkinson's saying to him, Sit back. Um, so here we go. Jordan Davis 4.8. Um, and Sam Dolby got a 4.8 actually. Um, so although he came on, he did you know, he had no service or anything, did he really? He, uh, he tried hard but didn't get anything.
0: Oh,
3: yeah,
0: no. he looked like he was playing in the right wing position for most of his time on the pitch, which is not his position at all. Um but we said on the previous pod, we would like to see a bit of Dolby. But I just think because of the nature of the game and us being 2-0 down, he was never going to make much of an impact.
3: OK. And uh, just finally, before we, uh, we we have a break and then we'll come back and do Luke Young. Uh, the, for the first time this week, I put the manager in. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the average rating for Parkinson was uh, 29 well, I got, is that, I that just a reflection of the performance or do we think it's hard, you know? What do we think? Is that just people angry at the, at the way it, it is?
1: I guess well, it's... last year, Chesterfield away, half-time, McElhain came on and changed the game, didn't he? Yes. And he pushed him further forward. So he spotted a problem. I think he spoke to Jarvis. I think Jarvis played. Jarvis went off for him. I think and I remember right, him yes. talking. He pulled him over five minutes before half-time as if to say... You need to do this, you need to do that, or whatever. Or he said to him, you know, keep it keep us in it for five minutes. I'm going to change it. But then he changed it at half time. So he spotted that. And that's one of the criticisms I have, and a lot of people do have, is that he can't change a game. But that's actually one game he did change last year. And we got the three points from it. So were you I was I and I wrote that on Twitter. I was a bit
3: surprised that there was no change at half time. It was just go out. Uh, sorted out lads really want it you know you've got us into this mess you go and get us out of it and then it took him about 10 minutes I think to make a change it just felt like oh well what was the point in that you know why don't you make the change 10 minutes earlier what did you think Alex
0: yeah I was expecting a, a change at half time I mean the game on the Wrexham team was crying out for something a bit different and I don't see the point of waiting 10-15 minutes to make the sub when you're 2-0 down. What's what's the point? What's worked and what we did in the first half obviously hasn't worked. So why are you waiting 10-15 minutes into the second half for it to change it? Yeah, I can see why Parkinson's got a low score because for me, any decent manager would have made one, maybe two subs at half-time. Go out there, pretend it's nil nil. New tactics, maybe a different formation, couple of the new players on, see how it goes. But yeah, I don't understand the way after half time.
1: You just I don't get it. The way of thinking is that next goal, if there had been one, was critical, wasn't it? It was crucial. Yeah. If we scored it, it's game on, isn't it? it? It it could be any end result. If they scored in that ten minutes with no subs, it's game over, isn't it? Yeah. Them lads are coming on with a with you know, we've done comebacks years ago, don't get me wrong, but We ain't never scoring in the last half an hour three goals against them because them lads coming on, then they're just on for course, aren't they? They're just on for an appearance.
3: Yeah, you're fighting a losing battle, aren't you, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I say, as I said, I agree. I was fully expected us to change it, um, and especially sort of you know, you think that one of the owners is there. They were, there was some booing. I don't know if you heard it, Alex. There was some booing as they went on. I don't know if you could hear that on the radio, whether they'd commented on it, Richie. But there was a a, a light smattering of boos, would you say, at the halftime, Alex? How would you
0: describe it? Oh, i say it was a, a bit more bit that. than that. All yeah. Right. Um, I'm never a fan of booing. I don't get what it achieves, but obviously fans can do what they want. And I'm not saying it was boo-worthy, the performance, but... It was bad, and
3: just a question.
0: Definitely... Just a Go question: on.
3: Is there was any of that at the referee, or do you think it was at no. the play? It felt to me like it was at the play because the ref had a bit of a. He was another one. Wasn't he? he was. A, you know, it was a bit. It felt like it was different rules for them than it was for us. But I, the impression I got was that those boos were for the performance. But I'm I'm willing to be wrong if you if 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 you sort of say, well, actually, Matt, no, you were wrong.
0: That was definitely for the ref. Matt, you're a hundred percent wrong or well, right. I can't remember what you said now, but <laughs> those boos weren't for the ref at half-time. Okay. I don't think the ref did a lot wrong. Um, first half, the only issue I got the ref was was it a penalty? Mulling. Second half, that, we'll yeah.
3: that mulling one, where he was pulled down in the in the box in front of us.
0: No, not a
3: penalty for me. You not don't like penalty. that? No, you can wrestle. You're happy for players to be wrestled to the ground, are you? By I centre
0: halves. Six of one, half a dozen of the other, <laughs> of the day, as they say on that one. <laughs> uh, but to go back to your question, hundred percent for the performance, the booze for. I,
3: I'd say I thought it was, but I, you know, yeah. as I said, I was willing to be wrong.
0: Um, um yeah, and it, they were loud boos as well from quite a significant. A third, about
3: a third before. of about a third of the fans. <laughs>
0: more, oh, you think be a the more percentage on it? Uh, I'd go twenty-five
3: percent. No, but you can have... The reason I say that is that sometimes you could have booze, but it can just be like six people around you, can't it? One group of people. But that felt, you know, that did feel like a... You know, that was... a, This wasn't just a random group of small people. This was a a fair amount of people that sort of
0: weren't happy with what they'd seen. Yeah, there were a lot of people. I think everyone in the stand was annoyed with what they'd saw. Obviously, people are booers, some people aren't booers, but the booers were, uh, definitely made themselves heard at half-time.
3: Yeah, because we, heard, just, that, that we, heard, sorry, just, we heard that they were there at Yeovil, but obviously I had no idea, again, we had no idea, did we? But we'd heard that there was some. Go on, Rich.
1: I was just going to say then, uh, back to Parkey's rating as well, I'll tell you what doesn't help himself is he had 1,800 there, or over 1,800 there, and he walked straight down the tunnel. Now, I know he's going to be frustrated and annoyed, same as everybody who stood behind that goal, but he could just come over and just give the lads a bit of a, give the fans a bit of a round of applause. He's going he, to get stick, inevitable, isn't he? He did. It, it goes. It goes with the job.
3: Yeah, I don't know if the radio mis uh, misreported that then, because I had seen that last season when he was under pressure, he did disappear down the tunnel a lot at the race course very quickly, but last night he didn't come all the way over to us. Right. But he kind of made it to, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex our semicircle that sort yeah. of area and he was clapping um but it felt like it he knew he had to because the owners were there i don't th- i think normally he'd have been like down the tunnel and throwing bottles in the uh in the in the dressing room what what, uh, what do you think alex
0: um yeah well i actually saw the um the YouTube vlog from one of our, I think it's Liam Roberts, one of the YouTubers. And I think you can see in that video, Parky gets to about five yards inside our half, puts his hand up to acknowledge the away fans, very brief clap, and then walks straight off to the tunnel. Um, One of the criticisms of Parky from our fans, from perhaps fans of his previous teams, is that he's maybe not the warmest, doesn't really engage with fans that much, but... I think it was the nature of the performance, which is why he didn't come over. Because I remember Chesterfield away last season. He was giving it the fist pumps. He was roaring. He was screaming. He was getting the crowd up. Um, So I've got no issues with Parkey giving a half-hearted nod to the away fans at full-time. I think he was keen to get back in the dressing room and uh, dissect the performance, shall we say
3: yeah, so he definitely did something, Richie. Uh, he did, but it was—it wasn't like you know right in front of us or anything like that. It was—it uh, was—it it, 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 it was a bit further away and perhaps not as vociferous as uh, as that. We were on the bus. Our bus was took about an hour longer. Uh, to get there than we thought. We uh, I, I messaged you, I think, Alex, I think it said you saw the, the buses turn up about 25 to 8. So I think it was roughly around there that we, we arrived.
0: Yeah, I was just walking up to the turnstile. I think I saw a Pat's coaches rock up about 10 minutes before kickoff, which yeah. I thought was quite odd, because usually they get there an hour or so before to give fans time to do what they want. Yeah, so we're... A-
3: so we're, 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 we're at, what would we have been, 45-odd minutes uh, out or an hour out, and the team news comes through, and uh, the shock, there was an audible shock on the bus that Luke Young wasn't even in the squad at all. Um, so I don't know what were your thoughts initially, Alex, when you heard that Young
0: wasn't in the squad. I thought the Twitter admin had got the lineup wrong again. <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah. Um, I obviously thought he was injured. Yeah, I don't think last season Luke Young. The only time he wasn't in the team was when he was injured, and he's the on-field captain or one of the captains. Yeah, I lose track of what they're called these days. Um, so. Yeah, I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. And I don't know what information you two have, but I've been told it's not injury-related, which seems a bit odd.
3: So before we go on to that, what were you thinking, Richie, when you first, I don't know, when you first got the team news, whether it was just when you turned the radio on or whether you got any notifications beforehand? What was the score? Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it come through on Twitter, notification. I looked at it and you go through it. As you, you as, as read the names, you put them into a the place on the pitch. And I went through and I went, oh, so I just went, I made it bigger, looked at the subs and I went, he's not, in the, he's not in the squad. And I thought, like yourself, I thought, he must have had an injury. It, you know, he must have had a, a knock, which wasn't mentioned from Saturday. But then he spoke out on Saturday, which was a bit more thinking, well, what's going on there? Like there's something something not right there. And like you say, like Alex said, you don't normally drop or rest, in, in commas, you're captain, do you?
3: Yeah, the other thing that somebody pointed out to me, the uh, my friend who was on the bus with me, was that earlier in the week, we the, the club had kind of released a bit of a comms with a Luke Young sort of saying, "Oh, we can't." I can't remember the wording, and I should have looked, but it was it was basically, "We can't wait to be under the lights, playing a big game. Yeah, it, it, uh, there'll be a massive away for a following. It's going to be great." Now. I might be wrong at Wrexham, but generally what a, somebody from sort of marketing or comms would go to to the manager and say, who is it that we can safely sort of push out some comms with this week? And they would say, you know, here's a couple of players, push them out, you know, do something with them. And I mean, he's club captain, isn't he? So, yeah. You know, um, so again, there's nobody's that we've seen has directly asked parkinson the question about young what i read on uh, i think rich williams from the leader put out a piece tonight saying he just decided to rest a few players um but young is one of them and he like he just keeps he's like the energizer bunny that is one of his one of his traits isn't it he just keeps working he keeps going so is this just fatigue and he's rested him or is there potential? What's our gut feeling? Is is there something amiss? Has he has he had a bit of a barney and a falling out with him, or I don't know what else it could be? Or is he just gone? Yeah, he's fatigued, um, and you know that that's all it is.
0: How can you be fatigued three games into a season? Um, I'm just,
3: i just. I know you. Should, I'm just trying to, you know, play devil's
0: advocate. <laughs> oh, sorry, that sounded quite aggressive there. Um... <laughs> I think, oh, Lee Kyung doesn't seem like a troublemaker to me. He nope. seems like the kind of guy who gets his head down, professional, leads by example. So I'd be very, very, very surprised if it was um, a bust up with Parky or perhaps any trouble going on. Um, but then that begs the question, why is he dropped? Fair enough if he was dropped and he was on the bench. I could maybe get that but to not even be in the squad as the club captain who pretty much plays every game, that smells alarm bells for me. All right, hold that thought. What do you think, Richie?
1: I agree completely what Alex said. What I hope he's done is, and I I know he's not a very outspoken person, but I hope maybe he's rattled a few cages after Yeovil because it was a bad performance again. And maybe he's took offence to that or whatever, and he said... Whoa, 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 hang on. It's my team. I, you know, I, if there's any criticism to go out, I give it. You don't never know, dear. Things in dress rooms are said and they never come out. But it, it's the thing is, though, by not by nobody asking him and him not saying, he leaves all these questions open, doesn't he? And everyone now exactly. is thinking, what's going on?
0: So, he could have cleared it up in 30 seconds after that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Was.
3: So, yeah, so the debate was sort of, I was listening to the Fearless guys doing their Twitter spaces. I don't know if any of you were doing that conversation or not um, after the match. And um, the uh, and in fact, Nathan from Rob Ryan Red I think, had put out a tweet saying he's not injured. So, yeah. you know, he, he wasn't carrying an injury. Um, and I can't remember whether Tim from Fearless, I couldn't quite hear what he said because his signal was coming and going. But I'm pretty sure he said something along the lines of that he had messaged him to see if he'd, if he'd travelled or not, because that was the question, was, was he even travelled? And apparently he did travel. So, you know, it's just uh, the fact, like you say, Rich, just the fact that they kind of not said anything about it is potentially making it worse. If he did just just come out today and said, you know, he didn't play because he pulled, he, he pulled something in the warm up just before, you know, we were doing a stretch in the hotel something like that, that would be better, I think, than saying nothing at all.
0: Exactly. And I was surprised that none of the um, the reporters, whether it be print or radio after the game, asked that question. Apologies. They might, have, they, they, might be
3: sitting, they might have. They might be sitting on it for Thursday or Friday. I don't know.
0: Maybe, maybe. Apologies if someone did ask it, of course, but I can't see any official reports on twitter addressing the situation um i'm not sure what i make of him traveling then that's mm. an added um thing to ponder over isn't it if yeah, you traveled yeah. with the squad but didn't make the squad and he's not injured as <laughs> a game of cards on the bus got a bit aggressive and <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, he could have had a family issue, but then you'd think the player yeah. would put something out then, wouldn't you, just saying, oh, just to let you know, I've had some bad news in the family, so I asked not to be, you know, or Phil said, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to play and he's given me some time off. And I think people would kind of, that would kill the kill the debate. Yeah.
0: Or if it was that, he could argue he doesn't want that to be known to the outside world. I can see why you wouldn't. Some people prefer to keep their... Private life are issues. Private, Yep. Um, there was even
1: there was no rumours on the radio either. It, it was just a surprise of Luke Young's not included. That was it. You know that was there was no lot uh, of as they do a little bit of debating, but not much. They just said, you "Oh, know, maybe he's got a knock from Saturday." That's all. That's all that was mentioned, Mike.
3: So for me, that I think we'll we're gonna unless the, unless somebody either the club or Luke Young come out Saturday was gonna tell us a bit more. Um, because if he's not in the team stroke squad, then and with Park, nobody addresses it. That feels to me like there's something a bit of a miss here. Do, do you agree, or are you?
0: Um, I guess we'll never know until we get an official communication from the club because he could start on Saturday, but that could mean Parkinson's dropped in for one match because of what he said after over, for example, like Richie said. Yeah. There's there's hundreds of theories going around at the moment. and um, We can speculate and speculate, but what I do hope is that he is back in the team on, on Saturday because I think we did miss him um, yesterday evening.
3: Yeah, I was quite... Yeah. I sorry Richie. I was quite pleased with the lineup yesterday because a lot of people were saying just put Lee and Davis in that midfield and one other and we'll just go out and batter teams. And it's like <laughs> it doesn't feel like that'll work to me. <laughs> so I think we need yeah. that that balance. So I was quite pleased with the balance of the team. It was just the it was the like, well, where is you know what on earth's happened to Luke Young for him to not even be on the on the bench and stuff. So um yeah, do you think what what's, what's your gut feeling? Does anybody think he'll be back Saturday?
1: I hope he's back. Um, maybe Stockport will bid three hundred thousand for him. You don't know, do you? <laughs>
3: uh, well, it, I mean, I mean the, uh, that there is a theory that that's possible that somebody has you know something like that has come up, but you know he's never been he's not been linked with anybody or anything. Has no, it? so he's... it doesn't feel like a, a move. Uh, it, it, and he's signed a new contract, didn't he? Not
1: long ago. Yeah, he's really settled. He's settled in the area and everything.
3: Yeah. So, uh, although it's not beyond the realms of possibility, I guess that uh, that you know that is that type of thing is is there. So we get to full time, and uh, we get more booze. And I don't know if uh, you'd have heard this, Richie, but you would have, Alex. Uh, at some point, Chesterfield were singing your effing shit, and Wrexham fans were joining in singing we're effing shit uh so it uh, you know Parkinson's at the end of the game got Wrexham fans booing singing that song and Rob McElhenney in the stand watching on going what's going on (laughs) what's going on here it couldn't have gone much worse for him really could it yeah
0: very quickly on Chesterfield songs they were singing We Are Sailing by Rod Stewart I didn't get that Chesterfield's the most central place in Britain, <laughs> nowhere near the coast. but Oh, they're a strange bunch. They are a strange bunch, aren't they? Very yeah. strange. Apologies to any Chesterfield fans who are listening, if there is any. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't read too much in the where effing shit song. I just think that was a way of cheering ourselves up after a pretty miserable night. Um, we're obviously not effing shit. We just had a, an off evening and let's hope it is a one-off. Um, but just on the... I think it was a very good atmosphere in the away end. Even when we were 2-0 down, we were still right behind the team, despite the booze at half-time. Um, fair play to Chesterfield as well. They created quite a decent atmosphere. I know the crowd wasn't... Well, the stadium wasn't full um, to capacity, but I think just over 8,000 there as well. Yeah. yeah. A good, good, Good advert for the National League and Perhaps an advert for three teams up instead of two, but again, that's going off on a on a tangent <laughs> as well.
3: We uh, we we picked up some more fines, which Michael, Mr. Oh. Michael Henney referred to. I don't know if you saw this in his stories. He posted a picture from where he was of the first smoke bomb on the pitch, and he put fine number one. Uh, you know, and I I've lost track. Was it about three, four, five uh, smoke bombs that there was in the end?
0: I think there was three in the end. And in addition to the performance, that's something which annoyed the hell out of me as well. Number one, why bring a flare in the first place? I don't think they do much in terms of atmosphere. And obviously, like you say, when they get thrown onto the pitch, it's a fine for the club. But why on earth are you throwing flares on when you're 2-0 down? What does that achieve? There was
3: a game last season. I can't remember who it was. We were chasing a game and somebody threw one on. And everybody turned on him a little bit in the university mm. end because it kind of ruined the momentum. But I can't remember which game it was now.
0: Yeah. Um, can't remember any home games we were chasing that season. Yeah. But you're right. When you're 2 nil down, trying to build... It wasn't some Dover, was it?
3: I mean, it could have been, but I, you know, I can't, I I can't honestly remember which one, but there was one. And as I said, people were like, what are you doing? And, you know, the, the usual swear words, because it was just, it was stopping us.
0: Yeah. And I hope if anyone does it again, people do tell them what they think because it's stupid. I don't want to sound like a boring old granddad, but I just think, grow up. Why, why are you throwing flares onto the pitch? A, it's a health and safety issue. B, it's a fine for the club. And C, it does stop momentum when you are losing matches like we were last night. So that's another thing that annoyed me.
3: Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, so anything else from that Chesterfield game? Anything else that we we think was worth talking about?
1: I think what I'd say about them is they're going to be up there, Chesterfield. But remember, they had a great start last year. And I know the lad was on the bench. He didn't come on to But we started poorly. But so did Stockport last year as well, didn't they? So, you know, we didn't start great ourselves last year, were we? But that was down to putting a new team together and, and things like that, whatever. I just think it's come a bit too early for us, the Chesterfield game. I'm hoping that if it had come sixth or seventh game in, I think we'd have had a different performance. And I think, having seen them played at our best last year, you know, when we played the likes of the Stockport and we just played them off the park and that, I think that's, that's what hampered us, is that it was our third game in. And we didn't... Our pre-season wasn't great, was it? Let's be honest. You know, opposition, country we went to and all that, whatever. But I just think it come a bit too early for us. And I know it sounds daft, but, you know, when we finished to where we started... You know, it was a bit of a the gap. I know Chesterfield got to the playoffs. I just think for whatever reason we uh we just poor starters, do not we? We've never won the first
0: two games in the National League. That says it all, doesn't it, really? Yeah, I agree. Um it was a poor performance. Chesterfield played very well, to be fair. I think their number five, their centre back impressed me. Um, in addition to King, their winger, Mandeville. Another attacker. He had Stopped a good from game from Stockport. I think they got in. Yeah, um, but it's not a panic station. Nowhere near panic stations for myself, and I think for most level-headed fans as well, um, I'm not interested in the parky outgrade or we're not going to win the league this season anymore because of that. Nothing's won or lost on the 16th of August. Three games into a league campaign, I think Richie makes a great point. Probably the wrong time to play Chesterfield. I think we'll get better as the season goes along. So if we did play them um, in September, as opposed to third game in August, I think we'd have had a much better chance. Um, I'm looking forward the next five matches are all winnable. So we've got a chance to put right the, um, the woes of last night. So Maidstone come to the race
3: course, I think it's Maidstone. God, I, get, I always say Maidstone in a Maid Ned and I get them mixed up. I think it's Maidstone. <laughs> yeah, Maidstone. It's Maidstone coming to the race course. Um, any changes you'd make to that starting 11? I mean, let's assume that from what we know, everyone's still fit and healthy. Um, What what are you going into that match with? What's your starting 11?
0: Oh, good question. Um, like we said before, stick with Howard in goal. I think Bryce has done enough to keep his spot at right wing back. I'd bring Mendy back in at left wing back. I think it's the perfect game for a more attacking left wing back to start. Um, plus, McFadden didn't have the best of games. And then I've got the usual back three Hayden, Tozer, Clayworth. Uh, the two strikers pick themselves, of course, Mullen and Palmer. And then the tricky one is the midfield three. And what's going on with Luke Young? If Luke Young is in he's good books again or if he's fit I'd start Luke Young I would start Elliot Lee in the number 10 role and I would oh, between James Jones and Tom O'Connor for the other central midfield role I'm going to go for Tom O'Connor just because he had a slightly better game last evening Hey, Richie, any
3: of those that you disagree with, or any would you like to change
1: formation, or is there anything that
3: you would do different?
1: I'd like, well, I'd like to change formation, but I know we won't change formation. That's a <laughs> that's a definite say, that one. Um, I think sometimes he brings somebody in from the cold and puts them straight in. I'm thinking Macka Linden for me is gonna. I don't think Elliot Lee will start. I think, like you say, with Alex Luke Young. It's a toss of a coin, but I'm hoping that it lands in favour of him starting. And I think he'll go with James Jones. And I think he'll put, put McAulendon in the middle. I just think that he, he just, like I say, he pulls that player from out the cold. He'll say to Elliot Lee, is, I think he's going to be more of an impact player this year, really. I think, But again, as the season goes on and we get better, then I think he'll get better. I know he couldn't have had a better debut but his impact from the he, he had a chance to watch the game and they worked out where to put him exactly and he made a massive impact and won the game for us. I think by him starting these last two, he hasn't done as much as what we expected or what he would want him to do as well. Um, I think he'll always pick James Jones just because he's a runner. He's a box-to-box runner. He's the fittest player at the club, isn't he? They all keep saying he just never stops. Um, I, but I just like sometimes just if we... Tozer came out with the back three sometimes and just sat, you know, when we were pinned in their half, he just sat there which would let Luke Young go a little bit further forward, not too far forward just so we've got a bit of an overload in there because Tozer can play with the ball at his feet, you know sometimes it's when it's over his head he has the trouble of turning quickly with his speed but I just think I'd like us to play a little bit, not from the back you know, I'm not expecting a Man United disaster at the back like they do but I just like Tozer just to sit there sometimes, and we play it. But we need Luke Young to switch it from side to side.
3: So nobody at the moment seems to have second top goalscorer Jordan Davis in their side on Saturday. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't know.
3: So how do we? How I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. How how has he gone from uh, almost a has to be picked to now seemingly because Parkinson seems to be thinking the same way, not starting the games and sort of Elliot
0: Lee being the, replacing him. Well, that's the dilemma when you play this system. You've only got room for one number ten, and um, so it's unfortunate for Davis or Lee, whoever loses out on Saturday, but. That's the nature of the formation and having two quality players in the same position. I've only seen one game live this season, which was the game last night, um, and I think Elliot Lee had the better of the games. I think Davis was a bit quiet when he came on, didn't really affect the game, but we could say that for, for a lot of the other players as well. Um, I've also got concerns about his fitness. Did he have a proper pre-season? Is he fully fit? Is he still carrying one of those niggly injuries which he carried from last season? I don't know. Um, but I've been impressed with Elliot Lee, obviously from watching the highlights against Eastley, from seeing him in pre-season. I thought he played okay last night as well. Um, and I, I would start him against Maidstone on Saturday and perhaps being Davis off the bench, if or when we need him. Solly will have just scored, by the way, the 1-0 up. I didn't even know. Yeah, I think with,
1: uh, with Jordan, I think, he struggled toward the end of last year as well, didn't he? He was gassed, and I think, I think maybe, he was out of energy, I think. I, it's what I felt. Maybe he was playing with a knock. Um Obviously, there was a QPR rumour, which just could have been a complete rumour. You know, head turned or whatever, you don't know, dear, but... He sees him week, He sees him day in, day out in training, doesn't he? So if he's not doing it, you know, maybe he thought, oh, I'm going to be an automatic starter. He got, I got 20-odd goals. I don't think the lad's attitude's like that at all, but we don't know, do we? And I just think he thought, well, I need that extra, that game-changer, which he thinks is Elliot Lee, doesn't he? And that's what he's gone with at the moment. And the thing with Jordan is maybe under Keats, he would have played different positions. He could have slotted in on the left-hand side, couldn't he? but I don't think Parkey will do that. I think he's like, no, you're a centre midfielder. I want you to play centre midfield.
3: Yeah. in all my sort of
1: guessing team
3: selections, I've always initially put Davis in because just because of like, you know, he's been here last season and he knows what it's about. And I always thought Parkey would pick him. Um, but he's not had much of a look at at all, really, so far. It's uh, it's substitute appearances as and when it's needed. It's just a bit surprising, isn't it, from somebody who got 20 goals across all competitions and must be half a dozen assists from the set pieces and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess the ball's in Jordan's court when he does start, when he does come off the bench. Parky you'll say to him, right, prove why you should be the number 10 ahead of Elliot Lee. And I think the signing of Elliot Lee, despite them competing for the same position I think it will help Jordan Davis Elliot Lee's a player with League One championship experience as well perhaps the level Davis aspires to get to and I think he will get to in a few years so I think he's going to learn a lot from Elliot Lee um, although you can see why Davis will be upset about not start, not starting having had a great campaign last year, but that's football. Every great player at some point in their career is going to have to fight for their place. And that's exactly what Jordan's got to do now. So just touching on something that it was
3: a, a topical conversation in the stands at the time on the bus as well. And I think we sort of briefly touched on it before. Um, obviously formation gets talked about an awful lot. Um. But um, And it's last season we had a rough patch and Parkey for about two or three games did change to four at the back just, and it kick-started us a bit and then he reverted back really quickly. But something that came to me last night was just, I just wondered whether at any point, and we'll speculate in a minute about what, what we could do formation-wise, but is there an opportunity, um, and we've not seen him yet, but is there an opportunity to bring Tunney Cliff in and to that back three and stick Ben Toza a little bit further forward as our anchor man to steal up that midfield. Because that's what he, he did do that with that when he did that change to the four. Um do we do we think that it's we just haven't got that player in our squad at all, and Toza can't do it, or and we've got to go out and buy somebody, stroke loan somebody, or do we think it's it would be worth a go?
0: Oh not not for me. Um I think the game toes or games toes are played in that midfield two or four, whatever you want to call it. I think one was against Marine in the away game at Nantwich. Um, No disrespect to Marine, but it's not really a true test of your your midfield prowess. Um, I also don't think he's a midfielder. I think he's a bit slow, a bit leggy at times, a bit awkward. He got turned a few times last night against the Chesterfield forwards. Um, so, if the question is, do we put Tozer in the midfield anchor man role? Um, I would say no, not for me.
3: Richie worth a worth a try, or are we are we are we looking at the market, it, or, or are we hoping Barkey goes to market? Or do we even agree that he needs this midfielder? Do we think actually we've we've got it? it, it we just need to play better.
1: No, I think we need it. I think we need to go like we've all said, everyone said end the end of last year. That's what we're missing in the middle of midfield. We needed a creative player and we needed a, one who, it's like just literally, he's like a dog, isn't he? He just runs around upsets people. Grimsby had one, the lad with the ponytail, I can't remember his name. Uh, Chesterfield had one last night. Do you know? Oh and these big teams, they have one, don't they? And that's what Stockport had one last year. That's what we're missing and crying out for. And I can't believe we didn't look at somebody who maybe we played against last year and thought, do you know what? We'll have him next year because he's he's spoiled our play. He's upset the game. He's just you know he's he gets it and he knocks it out to the far corner and puts it out for a throw in and turns his team around and things like that. So I think we need to buy someone. It doesn't look like we will be buying anybody else, um, but I think it's definitely we need to buy someone because I don't think there's anyone in the squad to do that job.
3: Yeah, I I I agree. I think that's definitely the. I thought it was the final piece that we were missing, and then Mark Howard had a couple of iffy games, and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure now. Maybe we need two players, but uh, I agree. I think we absolutely need that disruptor in the middle of the park to help us because we were we even came out. With some of our players, Ben Tozer, I think it was, said we're too easy to play against, um, and we still are, aren't we? It's still they were they got at our back. Our defence so easy last night. It was, you know, it was
0: bad, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, sorry, this is a bit of a wrecksome cliche because we seem to say it every summer transfer window since he left in 2018, 2019. But someone like Brad Walker, he would be perfect in the team now. Yeah. I'm not saying Brad Walker specifically, but someone like him. Tall, strong, quick, he can tackle, he can break play up, he can play it out from the back. Scored the odd was... goal as well. Yeah, I remember his goal against Salford on Boxing Day that season. Great goal. Let me goal. Talk
3: to him 5-1 or whatever it was, I forget. Yeah, like what. Yeah, 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 that was one.
0: He was He was unreal that day. Um, and again, like you say, we were crying out for someone like him last night just to sit in front of the defence, not take any... S H I T from any of their forwards. Break play up, cool, cool, calm and collected on the ball as well. And yeah, I know Luke Young can play that role as well, but he's not as effective as we'd like him to be. And like you say, every team that goes up from this league will have that kind of player. Grimsby, I think you mentioned it, Rich. I think his name was Fox from last season. With That's the him. Play yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Chesterfield's anchor may have had a ponytail last night as well. Maybe it's something with ponytails, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. We've still got, what, two weeks to the end of the window? Um, so I've not given up hope just
3: yet, but... We've got till March, mate.
0: Oh, of course. We've got... Yeah, we're in different roles now.
1: I was just about to go on, uh, go on the Google and find out any uh, ponytail sentiment midfielders in League One. Just to see, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> tweeting them at Rob McElhaney and Humphrey Carr saying, uh, have you seen this guy? Maybe that's why Lee Young didn't play yesterday. He's trying to grow his ponytail. He's <laughs> a <laughs> but what, I was,
1: what I was going to mention quickly was, is that I don't know if you've seen what the Chesterfield assistant managers put out in his uh, pre-game interview. He said, we know how they play and we know how to get at them. So um, that's how predictable that we are, really, isn't I think it? I would agree. Uh, yeah.
3: I would agree that we are it feels like we are a bit predictable uh and a top side would would, would easily read it you know um and we we battle through sometimes with set pieces um we've made we you know we managed to get you know those long throws and some corners we've managed to sort of
1: score um but
3: yeah I I it doesn't surprise me that at all
1: I think the yeah. um, the radio the radio said also it was um, that if you outmuscle Wrexham, you'll definitely beat Wrexham, and that's what they that that was their verdict.
3: Interesting, because it doesn't it some it, like last night and some games it doesn't feel hard to outmuscle us. Um, mm. So that is quite interesting mm. that that's how people are thinking. They're not nobody's scared of this Wrexham team, are they? You know, what they, they used to talk yeah. about teams winning it in the tunnel, you know, like that United side. They used to say they'd win it in the tunnel before you before you kicked a football. And the Arsenal Invincibles, they used to say they'd they, you know, they would win it in the tunnel. We're not gonna be like that, are we? we're not set up with that physicality. We're more he's trying to bring a little bit
0: more sort of technical aspect to it. Yeah, I'm not sure if either of you went to the Torquay Away game last season. Yeah. They're a yeah. big, strong team, big players all over the park and We didn't get a look in because we just got bullied. They bullied us and they got a goal from a a set piece as well crossing to the box and last night just reminded me of that. We didn't earn the right to play decent football because they didn't let us. They were all over us like a rash and what you said about Ben Tozer's comment before, Wrexham were an easy team to play against. That sends alarm bells for me as well because Apart from the odd team who go up, um, I think teams in this league go up when they're they are horrible to play against. I remember Lincoln 2016, 2017. They weren't the greatest football side in the world, but they had players like Matt Reed up front. Matt Reed, yeah. Bully people and make life difficult for the opposition. So I actually think this team would be more suited to League Two because yeah. it's not as physical up there. You can play better football. You get more time on the ball, whereas this league does have that physicality and a bit more nastiness. Um, so yeah, I think the missing piece of that jigsaw is the the hard man in the number the number four role, and whether we get him or not, it's an issue. He could argue that the midfield three of Jones, Young and Davis got us to second place last season. What's stopping us from doing that again? But I think life would be a lot, lot easier with that um, defensive midfielder in there. Yeah, I, I, so I agree. And there's got to be one out there that we can loan more. You know, if we, tra- if can better buy... than Charlie Trafford. <laughs> yeah. You know what, if we can sign Paul Mullins, surely we can sign a League One, League Two quality defensive midfielder. Well, I agree with something you just
3: said. um, And it was something I was having a a bit of a a theorise about that some of those last few signings, uh, was it Mendy, Dolby, kind of came late because they came after we got back from Spain. And people were complaining, weren't they, saying we've not signed that many people. We'd only signed two or three people before that point. And I just wonder whether we had spent a lot of time early on looking at League One and League Two. And then in the end gone, we're not getting any joy yet. You know, season's coming up. Let's revert to, you know, pick B uh, or pick number two. And, you know, who's the best in our league? Let's go and get them. Um just, you know, just as it was just something I was thinking about and I would I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall to see what, you know, who we were speaking to and who we were after.
1: Well, who's picking them is the is the clue? Is the it is how much does Parkinson ever say? I mean, Les Reed is the Southampton guru, isn't he? Academy, and he's done England coaching, but does he know who the best midfielder is to break play up in the National League? Yeah, he supposedly
3: is the sort of succession planner, isn't he, for us? Um, mm. And he was the person that initially, that summer before Parky came in, he was picking and choosing who stayed and who went, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we probably let one or two go there that we shouldn't have. For me, I liked Keller and, uh, you know, there was one or two others that I, I liked and, you know, that we let them go. But, you know, there we are. We'll, we may never know. Well, the documentary might tell us.
0: Yeah, it was the same for Pearson. I would have probably kept him as well. Well, they did. To be fair, I think they tried, didn't they? But he got a better
3: offer. They offered him, they offered him one year, and the Grimsby offered him two. I think it was. So he went back to Grimsby on the two year. Um, And to be fair, is that you know his age and everything? Would you would you have given him a two year? If you, it's so, it's a tough one. I know you're probably thinking, well, maybe, but remember, we weren't in the position to throw around contracts willy nilly before, were we?
0: True. I think we could have got two years out of Sean Pearson. Yeah, That'd and be- me. True.
3: Okay.
1: Even LinkedIn to play a cultural with it, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah if he wanted to, to do, want it, I don't to. know. But then, yeah. uh,
3: did he want to go back home as well? Was there something in that? I, th- I think you know, his wife didn't. His wife work at the fat bore He was helping yeah, deliver, yeah. Yeah. helping deliver during. Covid wasn't he for him and so it did sound like he was settled but you, this is the you don't realize I don't think how uh you listen to a lot of the interviews with players you don't realize quite how much it means to them to be and Paul Mullins an example here to be at home at you know with near their family because it sounds like one of the big pulls for Mullin was that he could be in Liverpool with
0: his kids and stuff and not have to stay away too much.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: I think I saw he put a tweet out last year when he got a bit of abuse from a, a rival fan for moving for money. And he said, I'd play for £10 a week as long as I could see my son after training at the end of the day, which is fair enough.
3: Score predictions. Let's do it quick. We've got two minutes left. Let's do a score prediction for Maidstone. I've got to check that it's Maidstone and not Maidenhead. I still have to do it.
0: <laughs> we are playing Maidenhead in a couple of weeks. So yeah. <laughs> you could keep him for that as well. Um, surely we're going to win. Surely. Um, I've got every prediction wrong so far, but hopefully I'm <laughs> right this time. I think I think we'll play well. I think we're going to win 3-0. You'll Paul win Mullen, Ollie Palmer, Elliot Lee. Richie? 2-0. Uh, Paul Mullen and Mendy.
1: And how would you save a penalty?
3: <laughs> oh, my life! <laughs> OK, I'm going to go 2 I think we're under a bit of pressure. So I'm going to go 2-1 and that they're going to go ahead. And it's not going to be a comfortable, you know, that uncomfortable atmosphere you get for a while until you get a goal. Um, I think Mullen will score. I think Aaron Hayden will get one. So thanks very much to the boys, Alex and Richie that uh, therapy session last night and uh, on to the weekend so uh, managed to catch up with uh, Joseph from Maidstone who does some comms of, uh, on their behalf and we had a bit of a chat around uh, the upcoming uh, match on Saturday and this was what he thought Obviously, we're we're gonna have our first visit for a while. I think on Saturday, aren't we? Aren't we?
2: Mm, yes, yes, yes.
3: Because obviously, you were promoted back last season. Um, so, tell us about how the first what are we have. You've played three games. What's your first three games? How's it gone?
2: So, our first game was away on the road to Altringham, uh, a couple of weeks ago, their first professional game as a football club, I believe, in their history. So, they were really up for that game. Um, We had quite a few injuries at the time as well. Uh, Managed to come away with a point in that game. Very well fought in the end. And we were down to 10 men as well uh, towards the end of that as well. Uh, And then we had York City. Hosted them at home uh, for the first time back in the National League. First home game. Atmosphere was great. A really, really tough game. Managed to pick up a one all there as well. And then, oh no, we won that game 2-1, of course. uh, Late on. Uh, A very, very late double from Sam Corn. And then we just uh, played on Tuesday night Dorking Wanderers uh, probably our biggest rivals in the league considering the uh, competition from last season and uh, yeah we lost that game 4-2 unfortunately red card penalties all sorts kicked off in that game it was uh, quite a spectacle to watch.
3: That sounds like a sort of National League thriller that, that, uh, (laughs) that we get regularly is that was that a fair comment? Yeah definitely
2: I mean the game was all over the place every 10 minutes you know it was just the momentum switch, it was Dorkin, then us, Dorkin, and, you know, it's really, really back and forth. No team really got a hold on the game until we went down to 10 men, and uh, Dorkin really just saw out the last 20 minutes and picked up a couple goals in that time as well. Was it Corn that got sent off? Yeah, it was. He was sent off uh, for dissent, apparently. There's, there's a lot of questions as to what he said. Uh, some people said that he said it was a cheap pen, and the ref heard, you're a cheat, so he sent him off, but... It's National League, nobody
3: knows what happens and there's no way of us knowing really. So, I can believe a referee in the National League would tell you that story. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you know, I don't know what the refs were like in obviously uh, down one, but in this Ooh, league just as it bad. is, you're right, okay, well you're in for some fun is all yeah. I will say, because they, uh, they constantly baffle you with some of the yeah. decisions, <laughs> it's like, you know... Um, so at the start of the season, what what realistically what's the expect is the expectations just to stay up? Do you think, or, or are, are people going? Well, no, we can do a bit more than that. What do you think realistically? Well,
2: I mean, before the season started, we had a little supporters' evening. Uh, the management, the ownership, all got together with a lot of the fans before the season uh, to kind of discuss the plan, and they said their aim was top half to top ten. Now that's very ambitious for me, at least, and a lot of fans that I know. Um, I think realistically behind the scenes, the plan is to stay up um, comfortably would be ideal. You know, try and avoid that scrap right at the end of the season. If we can maybe be clear with four or five games to go, I think most people would be very happy with that. Um, A lot of people have been a little bit more ambitious, but now the season's started. I think those ambitions have come down a little bit, knowing how hard it's going to be in this league. But uh, there was a few fans who kind of got ahead of themselves. Quoting playoff push and easy mid-table finish, and yeah, it's just it's it's going to take a while to bet into this league. But I I, uh, I predict us to finish about 16th. So yeah, just okay, comfortable yeah.
3: Uh, relegation avoidance. But yeah, you just want a comfy season, I guess. Really, you don't want to be going like into the last day needing a win or something stressful like that.
2: No, we've had that before. We had a, a game where we managed to stay up on the last day uh, at home one time uh, a couple of years ago that I think as a season before we got relegated. Um, So yeah, we've, we've been there before. It's not nice to have that. And I think everybody uh, has kind of still got the expectations of last season to win every game um, because we did win most of the games. Uh, We just, you know, the Dorking game that we lost on Tuesday was the first loss at home in 15 before that was 15 wins in a row. So, you know, it's, it's tough to take a lot of people not happy with that result, but you're going to lose games in this division. It's a tough league.
3: Yeah, I think that's probably the, the adjustment that promoted teams have to make. Is that especially if you've been really, really good, um, that you, you you are going to lose games probably. You know mm. more. Uh, that might become more prevalent than you know when you're winning every game and you have to adjust to that and that's really hard from especially from a spectator's point of view because i suspect the management would be saying to people you know managing the expectations but you think you're just going to keep doing it and the reality is it's too, it's a bit, too, bit more difficult than that just look at stockport you know stockport had an excellent yeah. record last season uh, i think they've won one game uh, and th- maybe three losses or maybe one draw and two losses so they're having to come you know to mm-hmm. adjust to to be, you know, they were they were top from about November, December, comfortably. And, yeah, and, and I now did that, now see they're... before
2: the season some people were like, "Oh, they might just go up again in League Yeah, two. Absolutely. So, you know, reality check is uh, sometimes quite a harsh thing to take, and it does take time for fans to adjust. You know, we've got quite a reactionary fan base considering there's so many of us. Um, you know, last night, or well, sorry, Tuesday night, Dorking. Uh, of course, it's Dorking. You know, did the double over us last season. Really close competitor throughout. The season for the league title and uh, yeah, it did not go down well. The reception after that game was quite poor. Um, but you know, we it's just one of those things, you know, the first loss in a while is obviously not going to be taken very well. So hopefully, we kind of get a bit more uh, of an understanding, a bit more of reality as we go further into the season.
3: I can sort of share those sentiments because uh, although I think I'm quite realistic, the Wrexham fan base were a small percentage of them thought, you know, when I was reading on social media that we should be winning most games, three, four, five nil due to the quality of the squad that we've got.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And obviously, you know, a lot of people were like, that's not, it just doesn't happen in the, in the national league. You no. know, nobody runs away with it. Uh, and as you've seen, I don't, obviously I don't expect you to keep up to date with our results, but obviously we've had a, a slow start really, you know, four yeah. points from nine. Yeah. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit underwhelming. So, um, so I, you know, I've seen that sort of excitement from a fan base, and understand that you know it's a long slog this league. You know, it doesn't happen exactly like you think. Um, so from a, a, a from your point of view, um, do you, like is Wrexham? It's interesting to find out what other teams think outside of our bubble. So mm. what did, what do you think you you know your fans and yourself do you think Wrexham the I don't want to say this in a boasting way. Are we the? Are we the? Uh, you know, are we the cup the final big this season? Are we the big dog? Do you think, or is it somebody like a Chesterfield or a Notts County? Uh, what? What do you? What? What do you think the fans are thinking?
2: Well, in terms of league position, uh, quite a few of the people that I've been speaking to have tipped Wrexham to finish first. I put a podcast out myself uh, with a couple of friends of mine who do the commentaries with our predictions. Uh, we all went with someone different. Uh, but we didn't discuss it beforehand, so it wasn't organised. We just both, all, all three of us felt that way. Uh, I put Wrexham top um, just because for me, you know, the infrastructure, the money, the players, it's it's all there. And really it's just, can they take the pressure? So for me, it is probably the biggest game of the season besides maybe Notts County. I know tons of people are looking forward to that one. Um, unfortunately, they moved the game from a Saturday to a Friday for us, which is going to be a tough oh, one right. to take. Okay. Um, but yeah so hopefully you know people still make it but in terms of expectation I think everybody's kind of put in Wrexham and Knott's as kind of the two big dogs and Chesterfield will definitely be up there contending.
3: Yeah Chesterfield, Chesterfield played us off the park on uh, mm. Tuesday night I went to that away game it was a it was a long journey it was sort of three hours on a bus um, and we you know barely threatened their goalkeeper that had been there for five days, signed as an emergency cover because they had a red card on a keeper as well, you know, and it was, so that was a, that was a tough one to swallow. Um, How many fans do you reckon you'll bring? It's tough because there's actually a rail strike
2: on Saturday as well. And that's going to be really difficult. Um, We took 199 to Altrincham, which is a pretty similar distance. Yeah, not too Um, bad. but we did also have a supporters coach uh, that I was on for that game. So that's already, you know, 50 taken away. And then I know about another 20 or so that went up on the train. So I, I still think we'll it'll be in that 100 to 200 mark. People will find a way to get there, whether the trains are cancelled or not. Um, so, yeah, that's just maybe 150, 100, something like that, just due to the rail strike.
3: Okay, yeah, they they don't make it easy for us, do they? The, no, it's
2: uh, a tough one.
3: The uh, the you know the uh, the rail workers, etc. Um, so team wise, obviously um, you've had this ending off, so that that slightly affects because he's scored a few goals, corners, and he's scored a couple at least.
2: Yeah, he scored two versus York to win us the game, and then he scored nine last season. Yeah, uh, which was our third highest okay.
3: scorer. Yeah. So what do you think your uh, your line, what would your best guess be? Because I don't expect you to definitely know it, obviously, but yeah, as well, a fan, what do you think?
2: I've got something in mind, um, but I'm not sure, because last season in the South, uh, a red card only come into effect if you chose to uh, a week after it's given, which means Sam Samcon might still be available. I'm not too
3: sure on the ruling, but... Not for um, us. No, he'll be out now. for the... okay. Is it a straight red or a second? Uh, it look? was a straight red, yeah. Yeah, three games he's out now. Okay. So assuming
2: he's not playing, uh, I'd assume we'd stick with the team that we've got at the moment, really pretty much exactly the same as against uh, York and uh, Dorking. Um, Probably Yusuf Merson in goal. Uh, We've seemed to favour him this season over uh, our number one from last year, despite Merson being the backup. Um, And then probably Gavin Hoyt at left back. Uh, He's having to play there because we've got injuries to Ben on Williams and other players.
3: Just a quick question. Mm -hmm. Only because I know the name. That's not the relative of ex-Arsenal Justin Hoyt, is it?
2: I think it is. Yeah, he was Plays like a bro- in the MLS younger, now or younger
3: brother or something like that.
2: Yeah, he's uh, 32, I think. Um yeah, he used to right. play for Arsenal
3: himself. Yeah,
2: yeah. Brighton Wolves as well. Um, yeah, so he's he's a fantastic player. He's our club captain now. Uh, Ella Kobe left after last season. Um, and then we'll probably see a back two of Joe Alol or Joe Fru Alol, as he's now known. Um, and Jack Cooley, who we are going from Bromley. And then probably George Fowler, right back again, just because of injury. He played centre-back all season for us last year, but uh, we've got a few injuries. Midfield, Regan Booty. Uh, again, I would say Sam Corn, but you know he might be missing, so we'll be missing. Uh, Dom Odesanya will likely be playing. And then Henry Woods, he's received a lot of stick uh, after giving away a penalty and not having a great cameo against Dorking, but I think he's going to play just because he's our only other senior option. And then a front three of Jack Barham, Rory Deacon and probably James Alarby for me. He might come back in just to give us something different, um, but he hasn't played for a couple of games. So, yeah, that last front three spot is uh, kind of up
3: for grabs. So from our point of view, or I guess from your point of view, who are the danger men that you think will, will hurt us?
2: Well, Jack Barham for me um, is probably our number one outlet. I mean, he was our second top scorer last season and he only started scoring in November um, and he managed to get, I think, 18 goals last year. Uh, He played really well up front, but Luke is now injured, so uh, we won't be seeing him till the new year. So Barham's kind of got to take on that role of goal scorer in the team. Uh, As for creative influence, um, Rory Deacon has been very good this season. I think the National League suits him. uh, The kind of closer style of play more uh, technical rather than the direct play we saw against a lot of teams last season. So he's flourishing, played really well against York City and uh, had a good game against Dorking as well. And then probably Regan Booty as well in the midfield, another creative player, someone who can spread a pass, ping a ball, open up the play a bit.
3: So yeah, that'd be my uh, three picks. So I've just realised that the name James Alabi rang a bell because he's ex-chester. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yes, he is. Yeah, I'm not sure he was there very long, but... Um... Yeah, he was uh, he, he's ex Chester, so expect him to get uh, if he's if he's playing and you. And whatever. Um, expect some some vociferous booing, is what I would say. <laughs> Once people yeah, realise that it, it that that's who it is.
2: Tribalism at its best. Yes, uh, yeah. it'll definitely be expected. But he's an experienced player, so I'm sure it's something he's dealt with before. So.
3: Um, and again, whilst I don't expect you to know every Wrexham player, etc., who are the who are the players that perhaps you do know that you think that would worry you? Um, of course, Paul Mullen. You know,
2: you've got to look out for him. Player of the Year last year. One of the top scorers in the league last year, if not the top, I can't quite remember. but
3: He did take the top spot. Because, yeah, mainly so, because I think Shimanga was out for mm. half a season. So it would have been interesting <laughs> to see both them go at it. But yes. Yeah.
2: yeah, Paul Mullen. Um, Elliot Lee is someone that, A lot of our fans have tipped to be player of the year in the whole league. So, you know, he could come in. He's been quite good. Uh, I saw he come on in the first game, didn't he, for Wrexham and scored a brace. So definitely someone to look out for there. And then someone else I was actually told about yesterday's Davies. I don't know too much about him, but yeah, he's apparently uh, from that area as well. Quite a local lad and everybody's kind of backing him as quite a good player. So, yeah, three, uh, three up front players there who could cause us a bit of trouble.
3: Yeah, Dave, Dave Davis and Lee is an interesting one. So Davis is a, is a typical local lad um mm. who did have a career at, uh, he went away and uh, he was at Brighton at one point but um came back and um he started really as a wide player and then last season went played more centrally. Um he sort of played as our most creative attacking midfielder. Scored in total in cups etc he scored 20 odd goals from midfield really. Wow um and his set piece delivery etc was really good um he was uh he looked really leggy and tired at the end of the season uh, couldn't influence as much as he could uh and then we brought Elliot Lee in who basically kind of plays in the same position so at the moment mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out i think
0: who's which picked. one
3: of them who's playing because i'm i'm imagining Elliot Lee isn't cheap don't no. know for sure even though he came on a free but i imagine he wasn't cheap so we're kind of trying to figure out well you know they're both very similar sort of, we'll call them a number 10 for want of a better word yeah so i think we're we're trying to figure out well you probably can't play them both so who's playing and when and what's the sort of method for picking who's going to play mm-hmm. um because it's difficult it's, it must be difficult for parkinson to not pick the hometown boy you know who did so well last season mm-hmm. so that you know our our formation against you on Saturday—it's really, if you know, we've got we've got massive debate about it, especially because our club captain Luke Young, who's a midfielder, didn't even make the squad on Tuesday night, which has kind of throw, kind of thrown us all. We're Saving fighting, you know, him
2: for the big game against Maidstone,
3: so. <laughs> yeah. So you know, everything's sort of up for grabs now because Parkey'd made a lot of changes and he's done things this season that he wouldn't normally. Do, we haven't seen before, so. Mm. I think you know it's going to be everyone's a bit like what you know we don't we genuinely don't know what he's going to do on Saturday yeah. which is great for us maybe not so good for you um I guess um so I guess prediction wise what would you what what do you think's going to happen i mean would you you take a point i'm assuming and you'd run a mile but Absolutely. you know do you think you've got enough to cause us trouble or do you think it's too big a step what you know what should i mean there'll be um there'll be nine to ten thousand well with you not bringing there'll be eight between eight and nine and a half thousand i would have thought mm-hmm. at the race course yeah well
2: I, I i put a video out yesterday of just a little preview um of this game and everybody on my podcast predicted a draw uh both predicted the other two sorry predicted one or i predicted two or just because we've got a knack for just getting a goal like we just somehow managed to do it all the time even when the odds are stacked against us we scored every game this season and at times we really haven't looked like it um we've got quite a few injuries at the moment but again it's just one of those like disjointed things it's hard to predict what we're gonna do so Wrexham might have some trouble with that especially since we played in a different league last year a bit of an unknown quantity maybe um but yeah we just kind of looked at Wrexham's form so far this season like the, like you mentioned, the kind of not knowing what's going to happen in the next game, uh, and just thought maybe we could exploit that early on. So, you know, we'd all take a draw and absolutely run away. But I, I said I'd be happy with a one or two nil loss as
3: long as we played okay. all right, just looking at it. It's quite interesting because um, uh, this podcast that I'm putting together, again, we did something similar with a bit of, of a preview with two of the other guys who do this with me. And, and my prediction was. Uh, uh, that we'd win two one, but that you would take the lead. Mm-hmm. So we've got a problem. Right. We've yeah. We, so the reason I say that is that we've got a couple of couple of factors. There's a couple of things brewing in the area, which are in your favour. So the first thing I guess is that Mr McElhenney will be in attendance. So Rob McElhenney will be there. Um, he's Hopefully over at the moment. Say hello. Yeah. So he was at Chesterfield the other night. Okay. Um, and now Mr McElhenney's never seen us win. So oh. he's he's seen five <laughs> games so far. We've won one, no, we've drawn one, lost four. I think it is. Um, it was some bizarre record like that. So, so, uh, so it's like it's like a bad omen. So that doesn't fill you with any confidence. The other thing we've got, we uh, we got a new goalkeeper called Mark Howard from uh, uh, Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Did he play against Chesterfield? Yes. Yes, I saw that. Did you see that? Have you seen the highlights? Yeah, I've seen both the goals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the second goal is, you know, undoubtedly is his fault. You can argue about whether Tozer should pass it to him. Mm-hmm. He does, and it's there for him to clear. So he should have cleared it. Yeah. He's got iffy feet, is how I would describe him. Um, but also, in the very first game that he played, he did uh, another clanger, which gave Eastleigh the goal. So right. we're at the moment we're all sort of. Uh, in a bag of nerves when the ball comes into the box because we've got we've not seen him have a good clean game yet. Okay. You know we've not seen what he can do. And he, he was player of the year for Carlisle, but he's thirty five. He's experienced, but you can be player of the year as a goalkeeper in a poor team because mm. you're getting peppered every week, and you you know you're you bound just have to make a few saves. Days, yeah. You? So uh, you you know you can never you know you can never be sure. So that was the reason that I say I don't you know realistically I don't think this will be a. Four one or a five one because we've right. got no form. Um, you've got nothing to lose, yep. no pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, I, I don't think you have anyway. I know your no, fans, I, your I fans might have some expectation. But in reality, yeah. you, you know, let's be, let's, you know, be honest. There's there's yeah, no expectation. Um, and the last time we had a game similar to that. And again, I don't expect you to have known this, but last year, Dover came up and Dover were bottom for a long time due to some mm-hmm. point deductions, etc. And they came six, to the that rate- we had the 6-5. <laughs> so you had, yeah, you did see it. And again, they could just play, they were playing, you know, free flowing football, because there was no pressure on him. It was yeah. just like, well, let's just go and have a go. And that obviously, you know, I know we got the win. But yeah, that was yeah, that was not a comfortable afternoon for us so if you turn up and do anything like that you know anything could happen in a game it was like basketball anything could happen in a game like that can't it so um so i you know a, a lot of fans might say oh yeah 3-1 3-0 or something but i don't think anybody's expecting you know realistically i don't think anybody's expecting um, you to take a thumping mm-hmm. so i think you know hopefully it'll be a good game you're you're coming
2: I will be there. I'm actually commentating that game. So I'll be up in Ooh, the uh, media you'll area. Up,
3: you'll be up there. So you, you might see uh, Mr. Mark Griffiths, who does the Wrexham commentary for the uh, for Wrexham player and for the YouTube channels. Um, so he's a lovely fella. So if you do see him, uh, tell him who you are. And um, he'll, be, he'll be very nice to you. Those guys are really good there. So Good, uh, yeah. You'll... There's a
2: lot of uh, nice people in this league already. You know, sometimes last season it was a bit disorganised, but so far, I think it's been uh, spot on in the National League. So no complaints so far.
3: It's teams like I think I've got a feeling it was Kingslin. It was Stephen Cleve at Kingslin who does random things like you turn up and then he says, "Oh, well, actually, you can't commentate today," and just, <laughs> just really, ra- you know, you, it's just really random stuff like that. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I, I think you'll be all right. You'll have a good viewpoint from there for, from where you'll be sat. Um, and you, you'll be sat virtually directly opposite where uh, Michael, Mr. McElhenney's uh, boxes.
2: Oh, I will get my binoculars out.
3: Yeah, so basically, virtually straight in front of you, at the very top, you can kind of see with a little bit of a balcony. You'll be able to see. You'll be able to see him there. So uh, he'll be there. Probably got a flag on. Uh, and <sighs> traditionally, when him and Ryan Reynolds are there, they're kind of you know they're they're pacing around, sort of you mm-hmm. know they can't sit still because you know. Uh, especially Baccaleni because he's a sports fan in EC, yeah. so he, he understands what's going on. Um, so I'm going to want—I I don't think it'll be comfortable. <laughs> Who knows? And I, I just let's just hope we don't get a referee that spoils the game because that'll be a. That'll be a disaster.
2: Oh, well, yeah, we just kind of had that against Dorkin. I actually just tweeted a couple of the clips from our highlights about a player who's about a yard in front of someone and just decides to fall over, and the ref just gives a free kick for it, and there's no contact. The penalty as well was a little bit dubious. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's against us, so hopefully we can get some sort of returned favour there. But I'm not keeping my hopes up because uh, a lot of people told me about the National League and...
3: Uh, yeah, it's not sounding too prosperous, really. Well, this ref—I've just read actually. I've read before, uh, just a little while ago. Actually, sent. Uh, uh, he, I can't remember who we were playing. Oh, it escapes me now. But he sent Paul Mullin off after about four minutes in the the last time he refed him for a high for a high foot that Paul Mullin tried to say he would slipped. He hadn't slipped. It was a, You know, it was. A, it was definitely a red card. Um, So he's got, uh, in fact, and he sent another one of our players off last season. So he's got a bit of history with Wrexham. So, um, you know, if you can get him on your side, these are the things you see that can give you that little advantage, can't they? Yeah, Uh, it's nice to see that. Before you go, just just for anybody who does listen, because some people do go around listening to other teams' podcasts and Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter spaces and all that type of stuff now. So go on, give yourselves a plug on, uh, just in case anybody thinks, well, I'll go on, I'll give that a bash.
2: Well, thank you very much. I don't only do Maystone things. do a few National League things as well. got a National League podcast that comes out every now and then and a few Premier League things as well that I look at just on my own. But um, my Twitter is at jponcoms and then my YouTube is exactly the same as that as well. Uh, And then Stones Live is what I commentate with and we're sort of the kind of official uh, commentary channel for the club. So, you know, that's my little plug there, jponcoms. Hopefully a few people come over, but if not, no
3: worries. Go and give it a listen. Yeah, you've got a little media empire going there, by the sounds <laughs> of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot of fingers in many different pies, just trying to get about at the moment.
3: Well, listen, I hope you get up all right uh, from a journey point of view, because obviously it sounds like it—you know—could be a bit of a sticky one. Uh, we yeah, seven a.m. leave. We had problems coming back from Chesterfield because there was some roads around Manchester, and Manchester Airport that were stuck. Now, fortunately, the, our club buses didn't go that way, but lots of fans you know, they were 90 minutes mm-hmm. later than they should because they were diverted. So yeah. Uh, I won't wish that on you.
2: Thank you very much. It'd be nice to, uh, after, well, we had some problems commentating the Dorking game. Some of our equipment got damaged, so we couldn't broadcast. So we're trying to get everybody back on side with Wrexham. But if I can't make it, it's, uh, it's going to be chaos. People will be absolutely livid because no one will be able to make it up there. So yeah, hopefully all goes well. Uh, smooth journey, smooth commentary and safe journey home.
3: Thanks very much to Joseph for that uh, preview chat. And uh, that's us all done. As ever, I'll leave you with the uh, 1987 till present version of uh, Someday, uh, Wrexham Song. And uh, yeah, to the race course we go on Saturday, hopefully for a win. We'll be back next week.